Aloha, North Kohala and beyond. This is Holly Allgood, your host for Tutu's Talk Story, and you're listening to KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. I'm excited today to have a very special guest. Her name is Lana Gambel Iona, and she is a member of the North Hawaii Domestic Violence Awareness Committee on the Big Island. And this is a very important topic that I don't think we've touched on on this program before. So, uh, Lana, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from? Me, Holly. Um, I am from the Kauai Waimea area of the Big Island, and um, I am uh, a fourth generation of Native Hawaiian from this particular area. I also um, work up at Waimea um, at the Queen's uh, Medical, excuse me, Queen's Hospital, and I am a mother and a grandmother and a sister and an auntie and. Um, a survivor of domestic violence. Well, we're very happy to have you here today. And uh, I am also a victim of domestic violence. And I think this is very important because so many people in our population mm-hmm. and uh, around the world are victims of domestic violence. So uh, tell me a little bit about, well, first of all, do you want to give us a definition of what is domestic violence? Okay, well, Domestic violence is a behavior that is used by one person in a relationship to control the other. Okay. And can you tell us how this manifests? Well, it starts out, if you can imagine like a a wheel, there is a cycle of power and control. And in this uh, cycle of violence, this wheel, uh, there's physical and sexual abuse. Uh, There is pushing and shoving and hitting. Uh, There's using emotional abuse, using isolation, using intimidation, using the children, minimizing and denying and blaming. You have sexual abuse, uh, using male privilege and using economic abuse as well, along with coercion and threats. So that was a long list yes. on that wheel. Do uh, Some people may be thinking, well, do all of those different things have to be present for it to be domestic violence? Well, you know, there's all forms of abuse. Uh, you have the mental and emotional. You have the verbal. You have the financial. Um, and, you know, examples of abuse can include, like, name-calling. Okay. Keeping a partner from contacting their family or their friends. Mm-hmm. Withholding money. Mm-hmm. Stopping a partner from getting a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, actual or threatened physical harm. So, sexual assault. So let's, can we go through some of these one by one? So like you say, yeah. stopping from getting someone a job. Can you tell us what that might look like? Well, they will prevent the person from uh, going out and getting employment because, of course, that would uh, be, you know, like they would have independence from that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if you're wanting to keep, you know, uh, abusing someone, them, of course, going out and getting a job and being around people and stuff like that would 
not be what the abuser would want. Right, because right. they would be getting a little bit of economic independence. Exactly. And maybe there's an opportunity that they would uh, share that information right. with somebody else. Right. So right, really, right. so it sounds like by keeping them confined, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it it, it right. keeps them under the abuser's control. Yes. Now I hear you're not using any gender pronouns. Uh, is this something that I think a lot of people think this only happens to women? Does it happen to men as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, abuse does not discriminate. Mm-hmm. So uh, it crosses over all the gender uh, barriers and uh, divides and all of that. So mm-hmm. there is no discrimination when it comes to abuse. Mm-hmm. Right. Tell us a little bit more about the name calling. I, I think a lot of people would think, oh, name calling, that's right. sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm right, me. Right, right. Well, derogatory name calling, um, you know, uh, and I'm not going to mention those, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just things that put someone down. So it might erode their self-esteem. Yes. To be continually told negative You're things about them. You're not worth it. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You'll mm-hmm. never amount to anything, mm-hmm. you know, and just really playing on that mental and emotional abuse. So it's right. not just bad language. But it's belittling the person in any way. Absolutely. Making fun of maybe their heritage, making fun of what they look like. Right. So any of those things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. All right. Okay. So what, what? do you hear the most of or what have you seen the most of? Do you see a lot of physical violence on this island? Well, you know, unfortunately, every uh, culture has uh, some type of... um, culture of violence, um, you know, and so the reporting of it is pretty underreported. And, you know, we're in an area in North and South Kohala, kind of, we're in the between. So with Kona and Hilo being the mostly populated areas, um, a lot of what happens in our communities goes underreported. So in other words, it's happening, but nobody knows about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was just going to share um, a little bit of some statistics that I had, if, if it's okay. Absolutely. And I was going to say um, that 5 million children witness domestic violence each year in the United States. Mm. 40 million adult Americans grew up living with domestic violence. Children from homes with violence are much more likely to experience significant psychological problems short and long term. Children who've experienced domestic violence often meet the diagnosis diagnosis criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder, which is PTSD. Right. Right. And the effects on their brain are similar to those experienced by combat veterans. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about something here that, first of all, is not just limited to our community. No. But it's very widespread in the United States and beyond. Absolutely. And what you're also saying, what I'm hearing is it has a tremendous trickle-down effect, especially if the children are watching it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It affects those, you know, who grow up with domestic violence are six times more likely to commit suicide Mm. and 50% more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really impacts and affects the dynamic of the family and the children are very impacted by it. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So our committee started, if if I can yes, give a yes. little background. Um, mm-hmm. Our committee started back in 2016, and it was some concerned uh, citizens, uh, one who worked in uh, government, the other one was with law enforcement, and I particularly at that time was going to uh, back to school, community college, and I was uh, working my way with human ser- uh, human services. And so, you know, we kind of got together and we said, you know, there is a real problem uh, regarding domestic violence and the health and the well-being of families. Uh, particularly our committee, uh, the focus is on intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. And so as a survivor coming from that and, uh, you know, growing up, um, you know, having these unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. So this is, we are talking about boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend. It's something in you, the relationship that where this is your other, your significant other. Correct. Mm -hmm. Right. Husband, wife, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I said, uh, gender doesn't discriminate. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, we all got together and said, you know, let's go ahead and let's form a little committee. Mm -hmm. And in working with the prosecuting attorney's office, the police department, the county councils, you know, we could really make an impact Mm -hmm. um, regarding healthy relationships. And so it was born in 2016, this mm-hmm. little committee. And, you know, we had people from all parts of the community come, uh, lawyers, school teachers, um, people in school, businesses. So everybody was coming and everybody was bringing, you know, their uh, advocacy and their volunteerism to this committee. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, so what what then were your next steps in terms of what did this committee decide to do? Well, it was at that time that the Hawaii Domestic uh, Awareness Committee was founded in 2016 by, of course, us concerned uh, citizens looking to reduce domestic violence in the Kohala region of the Hawaii Island. Uh, the volunteers focused on identifying barriers and solutions to providing services to victims of domestic violence. Uh, a big accomplishment. So I'm going to slow you yeah. down. We have an hour. Okay. And I was going <laughs> to I was going to ask you, what do you mean identifying barriers? What does that mean? Barriers to what? Uh, well, you know, like I said again, in the north-south Kohala area of the Big Island, that rural area, you know, uh, a lot of things is not... Uh, well, it's underreported. So that, so people are not reporting it. So it's maybe the barriers to reporting domestic violence? Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then, you know, you have most of the help going on on either side of the island, on yeah. the east or the west side where it's mostly populated with people. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I remember, I think uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people are embarrassed about this. So it's, uh, and uh, especially if it's your intimate partner, uh, you're, you know, you're embarrassed. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you're af- maybe afraid that some action will be taken against you. Are those the types of things you found in terms of barriers? Right, right. There's a lot of shame, a lot you of know, shame. a lot of shame and, um, just speaking out or speaking up against it, you know, it just brings a lot of shame. Yes. And so people don't really want to 
And speak also, about. where do, where do you go? Who do you tell? Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was some of the barriers, you know. But uh, one of the great accomplishments that the committee had since the founding of it was, uh, if you lived in this rural area, North South Kohala, you would have to go and do your TROs. Mm-hmm. And let's take a break again and say, what is a TRO? Okay, TRO is a temporary restraining order. It's an order for protection. And what does that mean, and how do you get one? So you would go to the courthouse, and you would go and see an advocate, or you could go to the uh, police station, and you could go ahead and do your police report. So or, you, so it's an actual report where maybe you've experienced domestic violence yes. mm-hmm. in one form or another. Right. And then after the report, what happens? So after you write out your report, and during the report, they want you to be very explicit. They want you to describe, you know, what has happened in pretty in much a lot of detail. Which is also hard if you're already feeling a lot of shame. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so after you write uh, your temporary restraining order out. Mm-hmm. Um, then so is the temporary restraining order different than the police report? Yeah, because yeah. the temporary restraining order or TRO is going to be looked over by the judge. By the court. By the court system, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the judge and court system is going to look out the details and uh, what was written down, and then they're going to make the decision if there is a basis mm-hmm. to enforce this temporary restraining order. So if it is enforced, what does that mean? So if it's enforced and the judge has approved it in the court system, then it is uh, sealed by the court and it is given to the police so that they can now uh, enforce it and they can serve it to the perpetrator. And uh, the victim also gets a copy to hold on to in case, you know, they don't get it to the perpetrator in time. And so maybe the perpetrator comes violating it and the police are called. The, the uh, victim can give it to the police. So typically, what does that prevent the perpetrator from doing? Uh, no contact, no coming near the victim, home, work, calling, Uh, None of that. That prevents the perpetrator from making any type of contact. So at this point, if the person has been a victim, it will give them some relief Mm -hmm. in that they have a legal pathway to prevent the perpetrator from contacting them. Yes, correct. That's what it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, before this committee was started, If you were a victim of domestic violence and you needed to do a temporary restraining order, okay, you needed to get to either Kona or Hilo. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the victim doesn't have a vehicle because the perpetrator has the car or has taken the car. And and they've isolated them. They've isolated them, correct. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times because of the shame, the isolation, Um, all of that, and 
how am I going to get there? How am I going to get to Kona? How am I going to get to Hilo? You know, I've got children with me as mm -hmm. well. So it's already, they're feeling shame. They have no way to get there. So that's a, that's a big barrier. Right, right. And uh, so they don't go. Right. Um, and since the committee, uh, what happened was one of the accomplishments that was really, really important was to include the availability of TRO in the North-South Kohala District. So if you came from Waimea or this particular geographical area, you could just go. They had them readily available now at the police station. They had them readily available now at the courthouse. So you could do your filing at the Kamuala District Courthouse building or at the, you know, Kamuala Police Station. Mm -hmm. Right. So m much closer. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you could go to an advocate. How would one get an advocate? Is this an advocate that may be a friend in their personal life, or is this like a f some sort of a formal advocate? Well, I know from my own personal past experience, um, in filing the TRO and going through this uh court system and the, judici the judicial system, uh, the prosecuting attorney's office has victim witness specialists. They have advocates. They have specialists that specialize in this particular area. So if you are in need and you feel that you want to have an advocate to come alongside you, to be there at the police station with you, to help you process everything and just, you know, that support, and be there with you to help you write it out, they have that service that's available. How would someone know that, or how would they get in touch with an advocate? Well, it's through this whole process of okay. the temporary restraining order. Oh, I mean, Because you've got the police involved, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the court system involved. The prosecuting attorney's office is going to get Okay. You know, all of this as well. So mm -hmm. uh, you can go ahead and reach out to this particular office for an advocate. Okay. Right, right, mm -hmm. right. Yes. S and since then, what else has the committee been working on? So since uh, making the TROs available in this area, we have been working on... Um, we launched several campaigns mm -hmm. into the community. Mm -hmm. So we have reached out and looking for partnerships in the community. So last year, we decided to go into the different districts. Uh, we went into District 1, which is Lapahoyhoy, Powilo, and Honaka. Mm -hmm. And we decided to launch a campaign raising awareness and education and, you know, some resource materials. Mm -hmm. So we decided to reach out into the uh, business community. Mm -hmm. And we asked several of the businesses if they would go ahead in, that, in their communities and if they would be willing to put a little table uh, in there and we come along and we put uh, resource directories, we put pamphlets that we get from the prosecuting attorney's office, which is where we get a lot of our material. And so we put all these resources and education material and services on a little table in their businesses. We use hairdressers, banks. Um, we've gone into uh, thrift stores. 
And so we've been able to get the partnerships with the communities. Uh, in in that particular uh, district we went into last year, there was the high school. So that was a big opportunity for the uh, committee to go in. And we made little uh, uh, bags for the students and for the, the, the kids. And in it, we put the directories, you know, if you see violence at home, we put information, literature on teen dating, and also uh, we had some personal hygiene products and stuff that we could yeah. put in. Yeah. So, so in other words, maybe giving them information about what healthy re- relationships look like and yes. what not healthy relationships look like. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And maybe yeah. we can talk a little bit more about that later in the show okay. uh, so that people have a better idea of, of right. that. And it, I, I understand you also have a website. Was were, Are some of this information uh, on the website? We are currently working on the website okay. and to get it standing up, but we don't have anything right now. Okay. But we can direct people to the the domestic violence hotline, which mm-hmm. we have uh, just put out a community cares crisis contact card, a little wallet card. And on it, we have the police emergency, Loja United Way, Catholic Charities. We have a domestic violence hotline. And so this little wallet card has uh, information on it too. Uh, for the court, self-help center, legal aid society, love is respect and just some information there mm-hmm. yes great so this is quite a, a little lot of resources yeah, just yeah. on one little card right right yeah. and we will be uh, having a resource directory coming out really soon by probably around summer okay yeah mm-hmm. so uh back to y- you know you had said there were so many different kinds of Mm-hmm. Uh, of domestic violence. I'd like to just go back to your your wheel and talk mm-hmm, about, I think mm-hmm. we talked about isolation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what's the difference between sexual violence and, and uh, intimidation, for example, or how are those connected? Okay. So uh, sexual abuse is, of course, you know, making her perform unusual sexual acts against her will. Um, It's attacking the sexual parts of the body, treating a person as their sex object, right? Uh, When you're using intimidation, um, you can use um, just looks, you know, those intimidating looks like that you can use actions gestures loud voices uh destroying her property abusing pets displaying weapons so that's the contrast that's quite a bit that's quite a bit right right yeah so those are kind of like the two differences if you're looking at the power and control wheel Right. right. Is there anything else on the parent control wheel you want to go into in more depth? Um, that well, we didn't you know, cover? you know, using emotional abuse. A lot of people think that domestic violence or abuse is, you know, you got to see a punch, or black and be- black and blue, you know, scratches, marks, and stuff. But actually, um, you know, emotional abuse is just as damaging. Those are the scars that nobody can see. And what what could you give us some examples of that? Well, putting the person down, making them feel bad about themselves, 
name-calling, uh, making them think that they're crazy, mm. playing mind games, mm -hmm. uh, humiliating them, uh, making them feel guilty, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, um, emotional abuse. And, you know, these are all uh, things that you can't visibly see. Right. But again, all of those would erode somebody's self-esteem exactly. and maybe cause them to feel like they're crazy. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there is using the children, too, mm -hmm. as we talked about with, you know, the statistics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, making the person feel guilty about the children or using the children to give messages, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, using visitations to harass the victim. Mm-hmm. Threatening to take the children away. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, so these are all, again, cycles of power and control. Right. When right. it comes to that. Yes. Yes, yes. And again, it can be one, uh, one or many of these items, not just, it doesn't yeah. have to be all. Right. But it right. sounds like a lot of times mm -hmm. there are multiple things. Right, yeah. right, right. So um, I just was going to read the criminal abuse, uh, although there are many forms of abuse. The criminal definition of abuse is defined by, and there's a law, the Hawaii Revised Statute, HRS 7090906. And uh, that's something that you can go ahead and look up. Yeah. And so, had, so can you give us what their definition is? Yeah. So it's under this revised statute law, it's abuse of family or household members. So it's just saying what is family or household members, right? Mm -hmm. So it's spouses, uh, reciprocal beneficiaries, former spouses or reciprocal beneficiaries, persons in dating relationships, pers persons who have a child in common, Parents, children, persons related by blood, um, persons jointly residing or formerly residing in the, in the same dwelling unit. And then what is the legal definition of abuse? Mm -hmm. Physical abusing or physical or has physically abuse, abused. Yes. So, but it's beyond physical abuse too, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So does the law address uh, beyond physical abuse? Um, you know, the law is always evolving, especially today when we have uh, different types of genders that are involved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, so I don't really have, you know, the the law aspect of it right now to talk about today. Mm -hmm. But um, it is known that when, you know, you are trying to leave, a safety plan is the most dangerous time when you're trying to leave the relationship. But, mm -hmm. you, you know, it's really important that you have a safety plan. So have place. a safety plan before you're ready to leave. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes that's not a always available. Mm -hmm. You are just leaving because... You have to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so what would a safety plan look like? Well, you know, um, I have heard that you you're you're going to kind of map out like the house 
where you live, where your dwelling is. Mm -hmm. You're going to have an extra set of keys stashed away somewhere. Mm -hmm. If there's a vehicle, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're going to get money Mm -hmm. put away. Mm -hmm. You're going to pack a bag and have some clothes for yourself and the children. And you're just going to have this escape plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe a place, identify a place where you're going to go. A place to go. Yep. Mm -hmm. Either a family member or a shelter. Um, But all of those things that you have to have in place. Mm-hmm. It's best if you do. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so that's a little overview of... Well, it's a good time to take a break. Uh, this is Holly Allgood. You're listening to Tutu's Talk Story here on KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. Our very special guest today is Lana Gambell Iona, and she is a member of the North Hawaii Domestic Violence Awareness Committee. We'll be right back Aloha, after the Aloha, this state. is Isla. And Mikkel Anna. And we would love to invite you to join us for Activated Intuitive Talk Story. Yes, join us the first Wednesdays of each month from 3 to 4 p.m. Tune in locally at 96.1 FM or live stream from anywhere at knkr.org. And Isla, where would people go if they'd like to tune in to previous shows? I'm so glad you asked because they are located on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts under Intuitive Talk Story. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we look forward to igniting with you soon. The Koala Night Market returns on Wednesday, May 3rd from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Koala Village Hub. Mayday is Lay Day in Kohala, and the market will be featuring Hawaiian music. The community is invited to shop locally produced food and crafts and enjoy entertainment by Hula Halau Nakapuna o Kohala, Hula Halau Kalainumi a Liloa, and Hula Halau Omana Olana o Kohala. Also, food trucks will be cooking up some local grinds, and Radio KNKR will be there live, broadcasting from the market. You can stop by our table and meet some of the DJs. That's the Kohala Night Market on Wednesday, May 3rd, from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Kohala Village Hub. See you there. Great Goddess I am, so thankful to have you guiding me, protecting me I am, so thankful to have Aloha Kohala, this is Isla Allgood of Women's Voices. Change is in the air. Women's Voices will now be once a week, every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. I hope you can tune in to KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala and listen to sensational songs by female artists from right here in Kohala and around the world. Me, I am so thankful to have you guiding me, protecting me. I am. The Department of Land and Natural Resources is engaging the community to plan the Pololu Trailhead. The trailhead has been attracting an increasing number of visitors to Pololu Lookout and the valley floor which has resulted in detrimental environmental, cultural, and social impacts to both the valley and the nearby rural community. A consultant hired by the county is hosting a virtual Zoom meeting on Tuesday, May 2nd at 5 p.m. 
to introduce the Pololu Trailhead Planning Project, share findings for the vision and issues for the trailhead, and gather input from the community on potential solutions. For more information, call 657-8041 or 550-3894. Mahalo. Aloha, this is Holly Allgood, your host for Tutu's Talk Story here on KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. I'm here today with Lana Gambell Iona, and she is a member of the North Hawaii Domestic Violence Awareness Committee. We've been talking about some of the signs of domestic violence and uh, definitions and the fact that it can take many, many forms. And uh, one of the things we were discussing during the break is it was, we've talked a lot about the parents being the ones to be the perpetrators or the victims. But something that came up during our conversation was the fact that many times there's, uh, it can be an uncle, it can be siblings. And it sounded like both of us were in situations where we were victims of, of sibling yes. uh, violence. Mm-hmm. And that can be as serious and again, sometimes the parents either, I think mostly because of shame, or they just, they don't want to have to deal with it. The parents are not willing to acknowledge that. So you can even have smaller children that might be in uh, victimized by older children, or I don't, or sm- stronger children. It, it doesn't even have to be older or younger but there's some sort of power relationship. And so it's, it's also something for parents who maybe if you're not a victim, something to watch, and if your children come to you, maybe, maybe listen. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, nowadays, you know, there's a lot of the bullying going on. And if it's happening in school, you know, uh, and the child doesn't know how to deal with it, the name calling, the bullying, the acting out, they'll kind of bring it home. And they will perpetrate that on their siblings. And, you know, that can start a whole a whole circle of, of violence, you know, there. And as we know, children that are witnessing abuse or subjected to abuse become abusers, you know, themselves. Yes, because they've been trained. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is, uh, I, I know I've seen there seems to be a direct correlation between violence and alcohol abuse in that people tend to be, in fact, they've even stopped it on the planes because people tend to be more violent if they've had too many drinks of alcohol. Yes. Is absolutely. that something you're seeing as well? Yes, absolutely. And not only with alcohol, but also with drugs mm-hmm. and drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And there's somewhat of a correlation between that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that are using substances, for whatever the reason, you know, being, uh, they are, they become the perpetrators. They're more likely to be abusers. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember, and I don't even know if this is relevant, but I remember uh, in the very early years of raising awareness into the community, uh, I had linked up with an organization that was focusing on um, children that were affected by violence. And um, we had just done a a community... uh, meeting 
in the Waimea area, and we had people from all different facets of the community, the judicial system, uh, the medical system, the faith-based communities, everybody had come together for this meeting uh, to initially start launching this committee. And after the meeting had taken place, uh, we broke down the meeting room and everything, and um, I had realized that I hadn't gotten anything to eat. And so I uh, left the, uh, the place, went and got something to eat, and as I was standing, um, getting ready to enter the place, I noticed uh, a child was crying, being held by um, an adult. And I was trying to push the door to go in to go order my lunch, and this child was crying and crying, and the adult smacked the child on the face. And... I was appalled by that. I was just, you know, now I'm standing in the back of this child and this person, and I'm wanting to order, you know, my lunch, and I'm just all up and upset, and the person ends up walking up, ordering, turning around, walking out, and I walk up, and I'm just telling the, the business, did you see that? Did you see that? You know, did you see what happened? And a woman came out from behind the counter and said, what you, like, in other words, what you going to do about it? That's the baby's daddy. And I was just like, I couldn't believe that uh, had happened. And so I placed my order real quick. I walked out the door. I went down the sidewalk, and I was calling and calling excuse me, excuse me, to this person holding the child. And when the person turned around and looked at me, and I looked at the pe person, and the child was looking at me with the print of the hand, the person had an eye missing. And I said, I was frozen. I was trying to look at the eye that was there and not the socket of the eye that was missing. And I said, I'm sorry, but are, are you okay? You know, is everything all right with you and your, your child? Do you need help? Is there something that I can help do for you? And he was just dumbfounded. And uh, I said, I just want to let you know that there's help available. And I belong in, at that time, I was part of a faith, the faith-based community. And I, you know, I just was beside myself because I had just come from a meeting. Well, I was looking into the face of a person I later found out who had been exposed to severe violence growing up. And uh, he lost his eye in an incident of violence. And so mm -hmm. he was perpetrating this on to the child. Yes. And the woman that was in that place mm -hmm. apparently was the mother. No. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to tell me, back down, that's baby's daddy. Mm -hmm. And what are you, you, know, you going to do about it? But mm -hmm. I just you know, felt like I needed to go back. Mm -hmm. I went back a couple days later, and I had a whole bunch of resources and services uh, from the different faith-based communities and all the information that I had gotten from that community event. And... I just had so much compassion, and I went in there and I told her, if you and your family are in need of some help because of abuse, this is available to you. 
you know, and she kind of was standoffish. But I said, I need to leave this with you. You know, I need to leave this with you for you and your family. And uh, that was just an experience that I had. That was right at the beginning of launching this awareness thing. Well, that's an extraordinary story. And it sounds like you got to know these people. Yes, yes, yes. And was able to reach out, you know, and tell them that there there is help available there, you know. Uh, and like I said, when I was looking at the father who was missing an eye and was trying to look at his good eye, you know. And, of course, the baby's in his arms with this, you know. Fingerprints fingerprints. Um, it was truly, uh, and I had just come from a meeting <laughs> where we were talking about uh, violence and domestic violence and how it affects children. And it was like I would have this immediate, immediate thing happen, you know, right there. Well, and how uh, good on you for being so brave and turning around, not being intimidated by the mother, and also not being intimidated by the father, and having the compassion that knowing that maybe he was a victim as well, and offering them all support, not not making him wrong in that moment. Right, right. I think a lot of us have a tendency to maybe then call him names right. when we really don't even know the story of what's going on. Yeah, I just knew that, uh, you know, s there was a, a deep story with that whole family, you know. And I was just moved very emotional when I stood there looking at the baby with the handprint, the father with the missing eye. I was just moved uh, to tears. And he mm -hmm. was just like, he didn't even know me, but I'm crying and I'm telling him, you know, do you need help? Do you need services? We have services available. You know, mm -hmm. here in our community, we are available to you and your family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's it's all about that aloha, right? That aloha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yet, at the same time, you know, you got to hold them responsible too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. For when not, you're yeah. not perpetrating more violence. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. At some point, that cycle of violence has to be broken, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a very powerful story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of us uh, grow up not knowing what is the alternative? What does a healthy relationship look like? I remember very profoundly uh, having an adult friend mm -hmm. and her, her telling me that she started to go through therapy and only then did she realize that her husband was an alcoholic and abusive mm -hmm. because that's everybody in her family was like that. So she didn't right. even realize that's what was going on. Mm. What so a healthy relationship looks like, right? right? Right. Well, you know, we have uh, these healthy relationships, which are nonviolent. They're very, very loving. Um, and I'm going to just kind of go over a little bit um, with you. We have this... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, again, like a wheel, and mm -hmm. in the center of it is equality. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, non-threatening behavior, talking and acting so that your partner feels safe and comfortable expressing him or herself mm -hmm. and doing things. Mm -hmm. um, it's about respect. Mm -hmm. A healthy relationship looks like uh, listening with non-judgmentality. It's being emotional, affirming and understanding, valuing opinions. 
Uh, there's trust and support. Supporting their goals in life, respecting them um, to have their own feelings, their own friends, their own activities and opinions. It's about honesty and accountability, uh, accepting responsibility for self, acknowledging. Can I stop you there? Yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of people, what do you think that means, expect, accepting responsibility for self? Being responsible mm -hmm. for our actions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's taking that responsibility. Personally. Yes. Not expecting somebody else to do it for you. Correct. Right, right. Um, you know, under being honest and accountable, just acknowledging past use of violence, admitting being wrong, communi communicating openly and truthfully. You know, a lot of times, um, uh, well, I have seen, you know, that uh, the perpetrators, a lot of times they have rights and uh, they want to, you know, help the perpetrator, like rehabilitate them, get them to a healthy place, right? Because they're part of a family and a family unit. And if that can be possible to get the perpetrator help, to go to um, uh, violent meetings, you know, where they have to go to alternatives to violence. Yes. So they want to rehabilitate. They want to get that person help. Because that person is coming from, you know, a family structure, a foundation. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, there's a lot of times I see programs for the perpetrators. Mm -hmm. They're court ordered to go to this. They're, mm -hmm. they're wanting to support them in getting, you know, rehabilitation. Uh, we'd like to see a lot of uh, support services for the victims, too. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and offering uh, more support services for people that are victims of it like yes. how they do for the perpetrator. Right, 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 right. So that's one of the things maybe the committee's working on? Yes, mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. And then, you know, you have responsible parenting, sharing parental responsibilities, and you know, being a positive role model for children. Mm -hmm. So that, of course, that's one of the biggest issues when we're talking about the long-term effects. Mm -hmm. If the child is seeing domestic violence in the home, they're likely to perpetrate it. Whereas if the parents are modeling safe mm -hmm. and respectful. And healthy relationships, right? Yes, then the child is going to grow up knowing what that looks like. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, you have uh, shared responsibility, mutually agreeing on a fair distribution of work within the family, making family decisions together. Economic partnerships. Mm -hmm. You know, because the financial abuse is really um, prevalent in these abusive relationships. And that's where, so back to if someone's not able to get work and the mm -hmm. other person is the only one bringing in money, they can use that uh, to hold the person there mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. use it to threaten them. You won't get any money unless you do this or that or whatever. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the economic partnership is important because then they make money decisions together, uh, making sure that both partners benefit from financial arrangements. Mm -hmm. um, and then the negotiation and fairness, mm -hmm. which is seeking mutual satisfying resolutions to conflict. Mm -hmm. 
and accepting change and being willing to compromise. Mm -hmm. So those are all facets of um, a healthy relationship mm -hmm. with nonviolence. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hallmark would be really working together in partnership. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, treating treating them like how you want to be treated. Right. You know, <laughs> a golden rule, right? Yeah. Um, don't make fun of things you like or want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you just wouldn't do that. Don't put each other down. Don't get angry if you spend time with friends or family. Listen to your ideas and compromise sometimes. You know, these are just other examples of, of a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Sharing some of your interests with movies, sports, reading, dancing, or music, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so Finding fun things to do. Right. Being proud of each other's accomplishments and successes mm -hmm. uh, and respecting boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know. To so if someone says no, it means no. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to respect that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And domestic violence does not discriminate. Yes. You uh, can be highly educated and um, all of that, and, you know, you're still susceptible to it. Mm -hmm. High education. Yep. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money you make. Exactly. It exactly. doesn't matter what your heritage is. Mm -hmm. It spans across everything. Correct. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it seems like that one of the big common things is the whole concept of shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So what is the Domestic Violence Awareness Committee looking to do next? Well, we are looking to continue to remain in our communities. And with the launching of the campaigns, like I said, we did one in District 9, excuse me, in District 1, and then we come to Waimea and we launch for uh, the month of October. And we got some great partnerships with uh, the hospital and we've got health food stores. You know, we want to keep communicating and plugging in with the schools. And, you know, it would be, I don't know how the schools would accept it, but at some point going in, you know, and talking some on some educational level. I remember when we used to have uh, health, you know, in school, and you could talk about these health-related things, right? Yes. So, yeah. Well, that would be a good point. So I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm wondering if anybody listening mm -hmm. has a question. If they do, they can call in. Mm -hmm. The number here is 808-884-5657. I know we're at the end of the show, but I just want to mention again that the phone number here is 808-884-5657, and uh, we'd love to have your questions. So uh, I'm just wondering if anyone is listening, and they could even call in the radio station and we could give them these cards, or is there another place that, uh, that you would say that is a good place to call to get this information? Yes. Uh, they could go ahead and uh, call um, me. Mm -hmm. um, you have my card there, Holly. Mm -hmm. And we could make sure that we get to them the Community Cares Crisis Contact Card, uh, the wallet card. And like I said, uh, by summertime, our resource directory, which we are constantly 
updating it and making sure that net numbers are current, organizations are still in place, they're still up and running. Um, so we will definitely be having more resources available. Uh, our committee is um, all about education and resources and awareness. And so that's what our focus is. We, we send people to professional services, clinicians and police department and prosecuting attorneys. And so that's just kind of how we navigate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if they call in here, I uh-huh. would be glad to give them this information. Yes. And, uh, you know, I invite you to... Uh, I, it on the board. Yeah, and also mm-hmm. I'd be glad to uh, keep this in our office mm-hmm. at uh, All Good Hawaii. We have an office right in the middle of town. Yes. So I'd be glad Wonderful. to have cards there available if right. anyone w- wants to come in and get get a resource right. card. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. And, you know, it all comes down to, you know, we live in Hawaii. That's where we live. And... Um, I just wanted to share this. Um, it's the Aloha Spirit. And in 1986, Hawaii created a law. It's called the Aloha Spirit Law. I'm not sure if you folks are familiar with it, but it is the revised statute, Hawaii Revised Statute Law, HRS, Section 5 7.5. And it reads in part. Aloha means mutual regard and affection and extends warmth and caring with no obligation in return. Aloha is the essence of relationships in which each person is important to every other person for collective existence. And whereas the Aloha spirit is personified by the warmth, friendliness, and sincerity of Hawaii's people, who are the state's most precious resource. And I thought that that was just beautiful. That I is mean, beautiful, and, and uh, it's a lot, and <laughs> and it's going to stay with you. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for being with us today. This is such an important topic. It really has a tremendous effect on individuals, families, the whole community. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much, and, and, and we just, will support you. In uh, just in closing, uh, I remember this quote that evil will prevail because good men and women will do nothing. Yes. Uh, something like that, that mm-hmm. quote, right? That mm-hmm. evil prevails mm-hmm. because good men and women do nothing. And that actually comes from a biblical scripture too, from Romans 12, 21. Mm-hmm. But I would like to thank you for inviting me and having me on. And uh, please do keep in touch. All right. All right. This is Holly Allgood uh, saying goodbye for Tutu's Talk Story here on KRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. And again, we want a big mahalo to Lana Gambill, Iona.